0: Welcome, everybody. This is Dr. Liana Lianoff, and this is the next in the series of positive psychology presented by the Global Positive Health Institute. And today I'm excited to have Darlene Marshall with me. She's an expert and a thought leader at the intersection of fitness, wellness, and well-being. She's actually one of the world's only fitness professionals to have a master's in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania. And she's blending personal training, wellness coaching and tools of well being research to support vitality and longevity. And she actually has a podcast herself, the better than fine podcast. And so it's a pleasure though, (laughs) to have her on this podcast. So welcome, Darlene.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me, Liana.
0: So let's dive right in. We like to keep these short and sweet. So what inspired you to turn your career to emphasizing and working in this field of positive psychology?
1: Well, I think like many people in positive psychology, the inspiration came from a combination of my personal life uh, and a real passion for helping others. Um, So uh, eight years into being a personal trainer, I was dealing with uh, the end of my marriage and a friend suggested that I try Lori Santos's Coursera course, which if, if anyone familiar with it knows it's the free course at from yale uh the science of well-being i think it used to be called the science of happiness uh, and in it she suggests as martin seligman's uh flourish as the first book on her reading list and reading that uh, i felt this real calling toward positive psychology and dr seligman mentions the masters in applied positive psychology and i actually remember the reading the sentence where he says that the biggest delineator of people they accept to the program is people who feel that they have a calling. And I felt this tingle in my whole body and I knew that that's what I was supposed to do. I felt called to go to MAP uh, and I didn't know what I was going to do with it. And I have been really pleased to find that there's this overlap between the, the calling of a personal trainer and the calling of positive psychology.
0: Yeah, terrific. It's, it's interesting how the twists and turns of our lives then present us with these opportunities and it's particularly exciting when you're kind of at the edge of two areas, in my case several areas, and mm-hmm. you're a leader in blending fitness and positive psychology and, and, and that's very exciting. Hopefully you'll be inspiring others to do the same.
1: I certainly hope so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what? So you've been doing this for a while, what are your favorite practical tips for harnessing this power of positive psychology, positive activities, positive emotions in uh, fitness and health promotion in general?
1: I think the most important factor, and I find this in, in the research and motivation to change one's lifestyle, I find this in my own practical experience and in coaching clients, is to do things that you want to do, that you feel compelled to do, that you're interested in doing. Uh, I find that for those who flounder, for those who struggle with making meaningful lifestyle change, it often comes from the word should. Uh, I should eat different. I should exercise. I should. um, and, And really when I help that person reframe into, I want to, I want to do this because, or I want to try whatever, I want to try rollerblading because dang, it looks like fun. That that person gets so much farther because they can savor all the enjoyment and juiciness of the experience as opposed to someone who's just focusing on like, ah, I want to do this. Um, so what I, my, my favorite practical tip is Choose something you're curious about. Choose something you're interested in. Choose something you want to learn and try and do. And do that. Because I think there's no wrong answer when it comes to movement for wellness, as opposed to movement for other reasons. And if it really is that you, you want to foster vitality, do the things that sound fun and then enjoy the fun of them. <laughs>
0: Yes, of course. It's all about fun. If we could all have 100% fun all the time, who wouldn't? <laughs> like you say. <laughs>
1: well, you gotta, I enjoy a hard day's work too, don't get me wrong.
0: <laughs> but I bet it's because of the fun feeling at the end of the day that you have really put in a good day's work. So there's a reward at the end that's a positive emotion.
1: <laughs> mm, yes, good point. Agreed. <laughs>
0: uh, it, uh, and... We've got a number of folks in the audience who are health professionals and wearing various hats in, uh, in healthcare teams. Any specific advice for them as they're working with patients to, again, h- harness this power of positive emotions to help them not only with behavior change, but overall flourishing, thriving, b- becoming their, their total best selves.
1: At the risk of preaching the choir, I think one of the most important things is cultivating the skill of active listening and reflective listening. Uh, I I work a lot with special populations, with people with chronic illness or some kind of catastrophic life-affecting injury. And there's nothing more demotivating for them or for me when they go to see a health practitioner and they really feel like they're not seen and they're not heard. And it's a hard, it's a hard thing to then coach that person afterward. But if you cultivate the skill of, of active, constructive responding and of reflective listening of nonviolent communication, um, there are books on all three of those uh, that are readily available. I think that that then fosters a sense of autonomy, a sense of efficacy in your patient that then allows them to carry that forward into their life because chances are that they already know that they should be exercising or eating well or sleeping more. They may not know how to carry it forward in what they think of as the right way, but helping them to find meaningful change. The other thing I would say is baby steps are still steps. It doesn't have to be all at once to be effective. Um, And if you can lean into that motivational interviewing paradigm of smallest doable action, you can help that person gain a lot of momentum and a lot of efficacy gradually with time.
0: Yes, uh, totally agree. And uh, efficacy and self-efficacy is is a perfect (laughs) word for this uh, so that people can uh, learn to to do this over and over again and start building their confidence and building a whole new self-image and uh, yeah again the self-confidence and efficacy is what propels us forward and embedded in that of course are uh, good feelings, positive emotions. and I'm using this as a little cue to bring up that uh, I understand you uh, wrote your your paper at, at mm-hmm. MAP, your capstone on this upward spiral of theory of positive emotion and how that reinforces our health behaviors and uh, what the experts are calling these vantage resources. And so for folks who are not familiar with this, this is just such a crucial uh, construct. So if you can briefly describe that, that'd be great.
1: Sure. Uh, so vantage resources is based on research by Ploos and Belsky, their theory that not all of us experience positive experiences in the same degree, right? If one person who something good happens and they're like, yeah. And one person who's they can't even feel that the good things are happening in their life. They have to have them pointed out. And so what's the difference? Well, one of them is more sensitive, can take advantage of the good stuff. That's vantage sensitivity. Uh, and the other one has a lower vantage sensitivity. And their theory was that we have things in our lives, that happen to us that make us more sensitive to the good stuff. those would be vantage resources. And so, in my paper, one of the things I asserted was, well, there's probably physiological indicators of vantage sensitivity. I call those vantage resource indicators. How do we know that that's happening? Uh, and what I've seen with the clients, you know I have a very small sample size that I've been able to work with so far since I, I finished map just, I think, seven months ago. Um, but that small group I've worked with so far, I've seen changes in things like their sleep data, their heart rate variability, uh, their body composition, where without focusing on the traditional fitness lifestyle change, things like, okay, lift heavier, workout all the time, you know, severe calorie restriction. Those, to me, those are all acute stressors on the body. And instead had them focus on positive change and on lifestyle adaptation that felt good and autonomous to them and was self-perpetuating um, and and saw these indicators shift at the same time that they were also describing their own positive experience shift. Um, so it's been interesting to me to dive a few levels deeper in this concept of upward spiraling where I'm able to not just see it in the body, but start to be able to measure it in the body. Um, And I've got one client who now we're looking at her blood biomarkers and starting to dive in a little deeper in her biohacking and seeing how it's affecting her physiology on another deeper level than we have before.
0: Yeah, that's uh, what's so exciting about this is that uh, this arena of positive activities, positive emotions, Uh, through this upward spiral uh, model uh, really is putting out there that it's not just about emotions, it's not just about behaviors, it's direct physiologic impacts. And when I first learned about this, that really was a wonderful light bulb for me. So I'm happy to to hear more about your research and uh, hopefully we can continue to gather more data around this. Yeah, my exciting. hope is
1: that, um, so I I want to fully own, I am so deeply a practitioner. I don't think I'm particularly a good uh, collector of data. Um, but I, I do sincerely hope that at some point, some responsible and educated scientist says, Oh, this sounds awesome and wants to come partner. So if you are that person, find me.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not a researcher as well, but but between us, we can hopefully uh, inspire uh, researchers to, to delve into this further. So, uh, and of course we need great practitioners Thank you. like yourself. So it's a win-win for everybody. Well, as we're closing out this uh, short podcast, uh, can you share some useful resources uh, that you would recommend for the audience who wants to learn more
1: about all of what we've been talking about? Well, I think about? for... for... The you know casual consumer maybe the practitioner who's looking for meaningful lifestyle interventions that are based in wellness well being. Um, one of my favorite books of 2020 was Kelly McGonigal's The Joy of Movement, and that really dives into movement from a wellness and well being lens and what's happening in our physiology that supports the increase in well being that comes with movement and all the different ways that that interacts and it really inspired me. It's a great book. Um, I'd say it, it, for someone looking for those communication tools, uh, nonviolent communication. And I, I'm i sorry that there's a typo in my notes and the, the author is escaping me, but I'll make sure to send you the link, Liana, so you can put it in the show notes. Um, nonviolent Communication, sure. if you Google it, it's a, a brilliant book about communicating in a way that helps other people feel seen and heard when they are processing difficult emotion. Uh, and then for anyone coming from the practitioner side who might not be familiar with some of the nuances of positive psychology, I would point you to that Coursera course. Um, if you Google uh, the the most popular class at Yale, you'll find a nice New York Times article about it. And Lori Santos is a delightful educator. And one of the great things about that course is, I believe, to truly understand the efficacy, the power of positive psychology, it can't purely be theory, you have to feel it and experience it. And it's an experiential course that you can apply for yourself, and then you'll see how these lifestyle interventions create benefit, not through just their existence, but through their application.
0: Yes, very powerful. And uh, uh, for those who are not familiar with Laurie Santos, uh, she's another one to, to follow and all her offerings. There's mm-hmm. so much to learn from her. So I agree. All right. Well, we're uh, at the end of uh, our podcast. Anything else you would like to emphasize or share uh, on this uh, Uh, resilience thriving positive psychology
1: i think if uh, you don't mind i'll just quickly plug uh, anyone interested you can follow me on instagram at darlene.coach and my podcast is called better than fine and you can get it kind of any podcasting platform
0: Terrific. And thank you. Thank you so much for being on this podcast with us. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for being a colleague now with us on the leadership team of the International Positive Psychology Association. And we'll uh, continue to advance this very important movement towards happiness, health and thriving. Thank you. So thank you so much. All right, take care. Everybody, everybody be, be well, be safe. And we look forward to having you back on another one of these podcasts.